You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, hey guys, I want to welcome you uh, in any location you're at right now, maybe at our Olathe campus at Prairie Creek Elementary, uh, maybe you're at our Overland Park campus with us uh, right now in the venue, welcome guys, or in the auditorium, or somewhere else in this world online, uh, as far away as New York or New Delhi, who knows, but welcome. Hey, we're starting a brand new series this weekend, it's called Tensions, and it's a bit different, the series is different, because uh, unlike our other series, we waited to plan this series Till two months ago. So we said, hey, what if, two, what if we just wait till two months to see what's fresh in our culture? What are tensions going on? Two months ago, our pastor's retreat, we said, what are the four tensions in society we're going to address? And we prayed about it. We debated like crazy. Honestly, we agonized over it. Landed on four tensions. And I get week one, tension number one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. We're going to talk about tensions regarding race. Tensions regarding race. And if you have a Bible, you can join me in John chapter 7. John 7. Our ushers have Bibles. If you raise your hand at all of our locations, they'll just get you a Bible. Just raise your hand, they'll get you one. John 7, we're going to start there. Um, now, tensions regarding race. Guys, this is a tough topic to talk about uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's a highly emotional topic. I mean, there's a lot of pain in society around this topic. And there are feelings that arise in people's souls which are not helpful to thinking, clear thinking. Feelings like fear or anger or guilt. Like fear, anger, and guilt left to itself, they're not helpful, they're not from God, and they cloud your thinking. So it's a hard topic just from an emotional standpoint. It's also a broad topic. Like there's no way we can possibly address every question, every situation in one session. That's impossible. It's also a topic I feel totally inadequate. Like, who am I to address tensions in society regarding race? In addition, it's a really important topic, so you can't shy away from it. People need to know what the Bible says, what God says about this. And so I'll t- tell you a little exercise I do when I'm struggling with what to talk about, what to say. Because a lot of things I could say. I think about an audience of three speaking to three people. This is my three kids, uh, Jacob, Karina, and Malin. Kathy and I have three kids. And so what I think when I have a difficult topic is this. I think, so if I only had one session, a final topic, final talk on one topic, what would I want my kids to know about that topic? In this case, what would I want kids to know regarding tensions, regarding race? And so... Uh, my job as a dad, by the way, is not to give my kids every single answer for every situation. That's not my job. My job as a dad is to prepare them to learn to slow down, to think, to act with compassion and courage, to equip them with the tools so they can follow God. Like, that's my job as a dad. And so today you're going to get to listen in on a conversation a dad is having with his three kids. This is designed for three kids, and you get to listen in on what I share with my kids. And so what would I want my kids to know about tensions regarding race? That's our topic. 
And uh, I actually have three things I'd want to share with my kids. First thing is I want to share a couple ways that human nature, the way we're designed, contributes to tensions regarding race. Then I want my kids to know what God did about that 2,000 years ago. He changed the game and Jesus Christ changed the game. And then what my kids should do about that now, based on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, what should my kids do about that? And so I'm going to pray and speak to my three kids. I say, Malin, get your binky out of your mouth. I want to talk to you about race, okay? So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll dive in. God, I thank, you for, I thank you for this opportunity to come together, to have a conversation. Lord, I thank you for this tension series that you've laid these four topics, these four weeks on our pastor's hearts to engage in a conversation around things that are tensions in culture, society. I pray that you help us when the feelings arise in us that um, are not helpful to clear thinking, when feelings of fear and anger or guilt come up in us. God, may we just see those, those feelings dissipate. May peace fill our souls. And may we hear the promptings of your Holy Spirit clearly. And if anybody doesn't have Jesus Christ as Savior, may they today give their life to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the first area I want my kids to know about is regarding race. Uh, regarding race, it's human nature. Two ways human nature contributes to tensions regarding race in our society. Here's the first way, kind of 1A, 1B. 1A, if you're taking notes, is this. We make snap judgments regarding appearance. We all make snap judgments based on appearance. It's normal. It's natural. You can't stop it. I want my kids to know that's both a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing if an object is flying at your head, you make a snap judgment. I need to duck. I need to flinch. That's a healthy thing. It's a helpful thing. It's not a good thing if you see somebody, you see their shell, and you judge their inside based on what you see on the outside. That snap judgment may be fair. That snap judgment may be wrong. You don't know. And you don't beat yourself up over that snap judgment. You can't stop it. But you also don't believe the stories you make up in your head about people's outside. In fact, Jesus said this, by the way, John 7, verse 24. John 7, 24. He says, do not judge according to appearance. Don't judge the snap judgment. Don't believe the snap judgment you can't stop in your brain. But judge with righteous judgment. I'd let my kids know this. You're going to have a snap judgment every time. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. Don't beat yourself up. Just don't believe that snap judgment. Don't believe that judging according to appearance. And the word judge here has a negative connotation, like being judgmental. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's the word evaluate. Do not evaluate according to appearance, but evaluate with righteous evaluation. And I'd give my kids the example of a knee-jerk reaction. You can't stop your knee from jerking in the doctor's office. Here's the patellar reflex test. And when they do that, your knee jerks. You can't stop that. Don't feel bad. Oh, this is no good. Okay, we're talking about race. Let me put white people on the screen. That's awesome. Um, media team, can you address the white people on the screen here and just change that for us some way, somehow? There we go. Much better. Green people. That's awesome. Here's the thing, I'm pretty sure Captain Kirk dated one of those people on the Enterprise. So, but here, here's the deal. Your mind had snap thoughts. 
You couldn't stop them. You saw the knee-jerk reaction. You thought something. You see the green. You thought something. You can't stop that. It's the way you're wired. I tell my kids, don't beat yourself up over that first thought. That's a temptation. It's not a sin. Sin is when you believe a lie. Temptation is just a temptation. Don't beat yourself up. Here's an example, by the way, from three years ago. Two of my kids are walking into Target with my wife behind them. Jacob is 15. Malin is a few months old. And so Malin say, uh, Jacob said, Mom, I'll carry Malin. He's 15-year-old carrying a few month old into Target. An older lady is walking out of Target, sees them. My wife describes the moment. She says, the older lady got this look of disdain on her face. And she muttered this under her breath. He doesn't know what he's getting into. Now, what had happened? She had seen a 15 year old carry a few month old into Target. That was a fact. She made a snap judgment. This boy got someone pregnant and kept the baby. Then she got a feeling of, I don't like that. And she made a statement. The problem was, it wasn't a problem that she had the the snap judgment. That's not the problem. problem, She believed the story she just made up in her brain. Because Jesus said this, don't believe your stories. He said, John 7, 24, do not judge according to appearance. You're going to make up stories. Don't feel bad. Just don't believe your stories. But judge with righteous judgment. I tell my kids, guys, we all make snap judgments based on appearance. Don't believe the stories you're making up. I want my kids to know three areas. They're going to make snap judgments the rest of their life. That's normal. That's natural. Just don't believe them. We make snap judgments, if you're taking notes, based on what people do. You can write that down. What people do. That's, these are th- Bible examples. John chapter 7. Jesus had this happen to him. I'll ask you the question. Do you judge people? Based on appearance? Do you judge people based on what people do or don't do? Of course you do. Admit it. Of course you do. We all do it. And Jesus had this happen. He healed a man on the Sabbath. Pharisees thought it was wrong. They were wrong. They judged by appearance. It led Jesus to say this, John 7, 24. Do not judge to the Pharisees. Do not judge according to appearance. But judge with righteous judgment. We all judge these people on the appearance based on what people do. Also, based on what people wear. That's James 2. Write down what people wear. Don't judge them based on what people wear. James chapter 2. Do you judge people based on their clothing? What they have on their head? Their footwear? Okay, so they have in style or out of style. And their clothes fit well. Where do they get those clothes? Don't fit at all. They're dirty. That's expensive. That's cheap. That's a different culture. Do you judge people based on their clothing? Of course you do. We all do. It's a snap judgment. Don't feel bad about that. Just don't believe the stories you're making up in your brain. John, John, uh, James chapter 2 tells the story. He says of his church, when a person who walks in the church and is dressed wealthy walks in the church, do not treat that person who looks wealthy with their clothing different Then somebody walks in, they look poor. Treat them the same, but people judge people based on their clothing. But Jesus said, John 7, verse 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Be fair, find out the actual truth. I want my kids to know we judge people, make snap judgments based on how people look. That's 1 Samuel 16, based on how people look. Do you judge people? 
based on how they look. That person's tall. Look how short they are. Man, they're in shape. They're out of shape. They're so old. They're so young. That person's white. They're black. They're Asian. They're Hispanic. Do you judge people based on how they look? Of course you do, I would tell my kids. You're always going to do that. That's a snap judgment. You can't stop it. It's a temptation. Just don't make it a sin. Don't believe the stories you're making up. The story in 1 Samuel 16, by the way, comes from the prophet Samuel. You're in good company. Samuel himself, a man of God, made this mistake. He was told he's going to find the new king. He goes visit the family. The first kid shows up. He is tall. He is strong. He is good looking. He looks like a leader. Looks like a leader. And so he says, that's the king. What did God tell him? You made the mistake. You looked at the shell. First Samuel 16 verse 7 says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man, humans, looks at the outward appearance. I would tell my kids, God himself said, people look at the outward appearance. You can't stop it. Don't beat yourself up. It's how we're wired. But the Lord looks at the heart. He finds the truth. He looks inside the soul. That's called righteous judgment. And I would tell my, ask my kids, kids, are you ready to admit that you're normal? That you're going to have these knee-jerk, instinctual first thoughts. Those are temptations. Don't beat yourself up, but just don't believe any of the lies and the stories you're making up. Find out, judge righteous judgment. Here's a quick test for you. How, how do you process your first thoughts of somebody? What if you saw this guy coming to you? What are your first thoughts? Put a picture on the screen. There he is. Let me tell you about him. He's almost six foot six, 350 pounds. So you see him walking across the street. What are your first thoughts? He's African-American. This man's actually Timothy Jackson. He's me, he was me with Timothy Jackson, a friend of mine. Him and his wife, Brandy, been coming to Grace for seven years. They're a biracial couple. They got two kids, a friend of mine, a leader at Grace, a deacon at Grace. He's six six three fifty. I'm six one one ninety. Do you judge based on appearance? So, don't judge. Right after this photo, Timothy himself suggested this next photo. He said, let's do this. This is the next photo. That is not a confidence builder. Dude is cradling me like a baby. By the way, if your snap judgment was that Timothy could snap me in half... Well, you're right. That's that's judgment with righteous judgment. Congratulations. Now, we're going to do a contest, by the way. Um, I'm going to post this picture after the weekend. I was told to. Against my better judgment, I'm going to post it. We're going to reward the best meme of that photo. Meme away. We'll watch for that. The best meme will get a reward. I'm not sure what that is yet, but let's move on. That's a disturbing photo. So I, I I was wondering how in the world we could end People judging by appearance as we know it. How can we end racism as we know it? And I wondered, what if Timothy and I look like this? What if everybody looked like this? There we are. We're part of the blue men group. How cool is that? There's Timothy and I. But that isn't far enough. That wouldn't work because Timothy and I still have different shaped noses and cheeks and lips. So let's go farther. What if Timothy and I look like this? 
Okay, that's closer. But the problem is, one of them has a cut in the top, and one doesn't have a cut in the top. And so now we be separated into cuts and non-cuts. People will be cuttest. Don't be cuttest. And so we got to go farther. What if everyone looked like this? There we go. There's Timothy. There's me. Literally, if you could take away every single distinguishing external feature, there would be nothing to distinguish people of any age, any race, any size. And that would work at that point. That's not how God wired us, though. I'd want my kids to know 1A, human nature. We all make snap judgments based on appearance. Don't beat yourself up. Don't believe the lies you're making up in your brains, though. Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. There's another way, 1B, that our human nature even more so contributes to tensions regarding race, and it's this one, 1B, we protect our group. That's how we're wired. We all protect whatever group you're a part of, and it's both a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is this, we want to protect our family, that's good. Our city, that's good. Our school, that's good. Our team, that's good. Our nation, that's good. That's all good. It's how we're wired. Here's where it becomes a problem. It becomes no longer human nature, but sin nature. It's no longer about protecting our group. It's about putting another group down. That's what it's about. It's no longer providing for our group. It's about exercising power over Another group. And that's where the group, the community, it becomes sin nature. It's basically rooted in selfishness, in sin, in control. And I want my kids to know where that comes from. It's James, 1, James 4, verse 1. James 4, verse 1 talks about that. James says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Where do they come? Do they not come? From your desires for pleasure, your sins, that war in your members, like in your body, sins are in battle. The fights we have between groups come from the fights we're having inside of our souls. I want my kids to know both things about our human nature. We make snap judgments based on appearance. Don't beat yourself up. Don't believe the stories you're making up. And do not allow your protection of your group to be power, control, over another group. Now that's human nature. Let me tell you what God did about that. My kids, you know what God did about that 2,000 years ago. That's number two. Number two, God unites people together in Christ. My kids need to know that. That God takes every race, every gender, every uh, age, every nationality, every language, and unites them together in Christ. The cross of Christ eliminates that, unites people together. And I want my kids to know that God does talk openly about race and tensions in the Bible. And he uses this language. You'll find it in this language. Sometimes Jews and Greeks. Sometimes Jews and Gentiles. Sometimes Israel and the nations. It's always the Jewish race versus the other races. It's about racial tensions. Three verses I'd share with my kids. Romans 3.9. Romans 3.9. Both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Every race. Jewish And all the non-Jewish races, they're all under sin. You want to judge righteous judgments? Every race is just as sinful. Every race, just as hopeless. They're all under sin. Another verse I'd share with my, my kids, talking about race also, how we are equal. Romans 10, verse 12 and 13, listen to this. There is no distinction 
between Jew and Greek. God says there is zero distinction between Jews and all the other races. No, no distinction. How is that true? The next verse says this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Want to judge righteous judgment? Every race is just as free to come to God through Jesus Christ. No one race better than another. No one race more access. Salvation changes everything. You're now brothers and sisters and closer than your best friend who's not, who's not a Christian. I give the example to my kids. You have received Christ. If a Chinese-speaking lady in Mongolia with a different clothing, different culture, different language, you can't even communicate, different experience, an old Chinese lady in outer Mongolia comes to Jesus. Kids, you have more in common with her, more in common than you do with your best friend who looks like you, talks like you, does the same activities you walk through life with, and they're not, they're not Christian, they're not saved. You got more in common with her. You're a brother and sister with that much to share with her. Guys, I want them to know that this is true. That leads to Galatians 3.28. Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. God breaks down the walls of division, nationality and race. There's neither slave nor free. There's your socioeconomic statuses. There's neither male nor female. Division through the genders. For you are all one. You're all united in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ breaks down the walls of divisions with ethnicity, nationality, socioeconomic status, gender. He breaks that down. My kids need to know, number two, God unites people together in Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Okay, so human nature. We contribute in our human nature to the tensions regarding race. God, 2,000 years ago, changed the game with what he did at the cross. So what do we do about it? There are tensions regarding race in society. What do we do about that? I, I shared it with my kids. These are the, I thought a lot about this. I give my kids three words and three verses to navigate anything they find in the future regarding this topic. My first word for my kids, I'd want them to know the word temptation. The word temptation. They're going to be tempted in three areas regarding the tensions surrounding race for the rest of their life. Three temptations. The first temptation is this one. The temptation to make snap judgments. So we talked about that, but I want to affirm to them, hey, this is a temptation the rest of your life. You're going to see something on the outside. You'll think something. Don't beat yourself up, but don't believe that. That's a temptation. It's not yet a sin. It's a story. A second temptation my kids need to know about human nature, the temptation to only associate with people like you. It's a temptation. It's a comfort zone. Only associate with people like you. Like if you walk into a room, by the way, a very diverse room, guess who you're naturally going to try to gravitate to? People who look like you. It might be age, might be height, might be in shape, might be race, uh, might be gender, you name it, might be marital status. In fact, let's do an exercise Picture a room in your mind right now. Picture a big room. Now picture your friends in that room. Put your friends, the pictures of your friends in that room. Who are your friends? Your friends from school, put them in the room. Picture your friends. Picture your friends from your neighborhood. Picture, you know, your workplace. Who are your friends? Church. Okay, now look around the room. Those are your friends. How many people in that room are of the same age as you? The same marital status as you. The same socioeconomic status as you. The same race as you. The same political affiliation as you. I thought, that's a real temptation. I'd ask my kids, 
does your friend group reflect heaven? And you can write down Revelation 7, verse 9. Heaven has every tribe, every nation, every language. Does your friend group reflect heaven? It's a temptation for it not to reflect heaven. A third temptation I'd share with my kids, the temptation to be influenced more by culture than by God. That's a big temptation. Culture will continually shift like shifting winds and tell you what to do from all directions. And at some point, you're going to need the courage to be unpopular, the courage to stand with God instead of culture. There's a temptation to adopt culture so you're accepted. And so just be counterculture, be like Jesus, different in, a, in kind of a godly kind of a way, the temptation as well. So I'd want the kids to know the word temptation, plus the verse to deal with that temptation, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. How do you deal with temptation? 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing in your brain that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There are competing values, competing thoughts in your brain. The knowledge of God and lies. Then you need to, like, like wild animals, unleash mental animal control. Track those animals down, trap them, and make them captive, he says. And bringing every thought, every wild animal unleashed in your mind, into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. I would tell my kids, never beat yourself up over this kind of stuff. It's a temptation. Just don't let them run wild. Release the spirit of God, the animal control to track down that thought that's against the knowledge of God. A second key word I'd have my kids know is the word compassion. The word compassion. So my job as a dad is to help prepare their hearts. I can't control their heart, but to help cultivate their heart of compassion for hurting people, all hurting people, and avoid the emotional compassion fatigue of news stories and shouting and megaphones at each other, and also to avoid the feelings that stop their thought. What stops their thought? Fear, anger, guilt. And to watch out for that, to have compassion. Instead, I'd have them understand 1 Corinthians 12, 26. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, to have compassion. And if one member suffers, one body part suffers, all the members, your whole body, suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members Rejoice with it. I assure my kids that the church, the community called the church is compared to a human body. If one member of that church hurts, we all should hurt with them, suffer with them. It's like dropping a brick on your toe. Drop a brick on your toe. The rest of your body doesn't do, wow, too bad for you. The hand feels great. No, your whole body goes, ah! All you can think of is helping out the toe that's hurting. The Bible says, if one member suffers from any race, all the members feel that pain with them. Kids, do you feel that pain with them? I'd share different stories with them. I'd share the story of a man at Grace who's an African-American man, biracial family, who feels the need to teach his kids. Kids, when you're in a store, you're a person of color. You can't touch anything in any store. You walk to the center of the aisle. You can't browse. People uh, might think people of color are stealing if you touch something. You walk to the center of the aisle. You see something you like, you look at it. 
You ask dad to go get it. You ask mom to go get it. I cannot have my kids having somebody with a storekeeper think they're stealing. And I'd ask my kids this question. I'd say, can you imagine that? Do you have compassion toward that? Jesus said, you know, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with them. I tell the story of Asians in our own church, Christians, Asians, people of color, who at school were told this, why are you even here, my fellow students? Go back to your country, Muslim. They're Christians. Kids in school, in our own community, causing pain and hurt and loneliness. And I just asked my kids, can you imagine that? Do you have compassion, like a brick falling on your toe? Because if Paul says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with them. I'd share the story of our culture. You know, there are people who meet two criteria and being called racist today. The first criteria is they're white. And the second criteria is they voted for Donald Trump. And they are racist, people say. Well, that may be true, may not be true, but can you imagine that? Can you imagine meeting two criteria? You have compassion for that? Like if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. I'd share the story when people see a Latino who doesn't speak English very well. Maybe no English at all. And people have the thought, they're here illegally. But they snuck in. Get back to your country. U.S. citizen. Doesn't speak English very well. I said, kids, can you imagine that? Do you have compassion for that? I mean, Jesus said, or Paul said, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with them. I share the story when people see a woman wearing a hijab, a head covering. It's a piece of clothing. And people's thoughts around them think with suspicion rising in their souls. I wonder what she's up to. Is she dangerous? Are her people dangerous? Are they planning something? I showed my kids a piece of clothing. I said, can you imagine you wearing a piece of clothing? People think you're dangerous. I said, do you have compassion for that? I mean, the heart of Christ is if one member suffers, ouch, all the members suffer with it. I want to cultivate the heart of compassion, the heart of Christ for all people who are hurting. Temptation, compassion, third word is justice. Justice. And I tell the story, by the way, can, can you imagine if you saw the apostle Peter with the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Peter, leader of the apostles, Peter, doing something you think is racist. Can you imagine having the courage to go have a face-to-face conversation with Peter? That's terrifying. That is terrifying. Paul did that. There's a story. Peter was visiting Antioch, and he was hanging out with the non-Jewish people, other races, and hanging out with them. Jewish people showed up. He separated himself, acted different around a different race, didn't want criticism. And Paul's like, this is not right. It's racial difference in the church. Not right. He had a face-to-face conversation with the apostle Peter. Can you imagine that? Look what he says here. He says over in Galatians chapter th- uh, 2, verse 11, 
Paul writes, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. I had the courage to have a face-to-face uh, conversation with someone because he was to be blamed. I mean, the Apostle Paul was confronted with this moment. He could have laughed it off. He could have said, it's not my place, not my role. I don't have to say anything. Somebody else should deal with this. Don't you think somebody else should deal with this? Peter should know better. I'm just going to pray for him. I'm going to hope he gets it. He knew his role was to address tensions, including race. And he loved Peter enough to have a face-to-face conversation. Say, I observed this. I observed that. Can you share what, why you did this? Because I'll tell you, this other race would feel very isolated based on what you did. Do you know you did that? He loved Peter enough to have courage to have a face-to-face conversation. I want my kids to know, when you see injustice, stand up, speak up, do not be silent, do not laugh it off, do that. I think somebody else should deal with this. Have courage to speak justice. I'd share this verse with my kids as well, Luke 12, 48. Luke 12, 48. To whom much is given. Comment from Jesus. To whom much is given, from him much will be required. That's the truth, by the way. If you're given more money than somebody else, God requires you to give more money back. You are more, supposed to be more generous from, to whom much is given. From him much will be required. You have more talent than somebody in some area? You are required to give back more with that talent to whom much is given. From him much will be required. You have more influence in your role, more influence in your role. Hey, guess what? More leadership, more influence. Too much is given. You got to speak up more. From him much will be required. I'd ask my kids, are you living in the United States? You didn't earn that. You didn't choose that. You're just given that. Welcome to our family. I didn't earn that either. To whom much is given. From you, kids. Much will be required. I'd ask my kids, are you living in southern Johnson County? You didn't choose that. I moved you here. And I didn't choose that. I don't even know how I got here myself. To whom much is given. You were given much with this community. From you, much will be required with your influence and your access. I'd say, are you born of a certain race? You were. You have certain advantages, by the way. In our culture... Being white. Sometimes even the advantage of the benefit of the doubt. Guess what? To you kids. I'm telling my kids. From you to whom much is given. From you. Much will be required. Now there's too much to deal with in one session. So I've got so much more to talk about. Usually I do a Facebook live session on Tuesdays at 3 o'clock central. I'm going to shift it back to Monday. Tomorrow, 3 o'clock central. You can join me there. Uh, I have a retreat Tuesday. So I've got to do that. But join me... Two, uh, two, uh, three o'clock, three o'clock central tomorrow, Facebook Live on the Grace Church Facebook page. I'm going to give you more information, things they couldn't get to. I'm going to take your questions, share other research I did about our community, how we're doing a Grace Church. Facebook Live tomorrow, three o'clock central. If you missed that, it'll be online. You can pick it up. My question to you is this. Let the fears die down. That's not helping you listen. Let the anger die down. You're not going to be able to hear God. Let the guilt leach away. That's not how God sees you. What has God spoken to you about? What has God prompted you about? Did God prompt you about snap judgments? You're beating yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. It's a knee-jerk reaction. Just stop believing the lies you're making up. 
Maybe God prompted you about protecting your group. Nothing wrong with protecting your group. But you like putting down other groups. That's your goal. That's not of God. Maybe God prompted you about the temptation you're going to deal with the rest of your life. Or having compassion for all races in their pain and injustice. And having doing justice, being the person of Christ who stands up. As scary as it is to have a face-to-face conversation with the Apostle Peter of all people. What did God speak to you about? Maybe God prompted you about salvation. Do you know that you received Christ? It's the most important question of life. That you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior. That you are a sinner and you've called on him and you know he lives in you. You sense his presence. You don't sense anything. Extended period. Something's wrong. You've got to receive Jesus. He will manifest himself in you if he's in you. Let's pray. God, I pray for those who don't have Christ yet, that they would actually come to know you as Savior. I pray for those who are prompted, may they not have live in fear or anger or guilt. May they simply listen to you, a loving Father. And may we be champions of love and compassion and justice. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.